0: Our text for today comes from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Before faith came, we were guarded under the law, locked up until faith that was coming would be revealed, so that the law became our custodian until Christ, so that we might be made righteous by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a custodian. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor there is male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, if you belong to Christ, then Indeed, you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. 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 Juneteenth is now a thing. If you are not aware of what Juneteenth is, I need to give you a quick rundown. In 1863, in the middle of the Civil War, President Lincoln wrote what has been called, what it what became the Emancipation Proclamation, which freed all the slaves in the South. Now, of course, this was written during the war, and especially in many places, it didn't get to where it was in time. And in this case, it kept from reaching slaves in Southern Texas, along the Texas coast. In fact, they didn't get it until June 19th, 1865, so a full two years later. When they heard that, there was a great celebration. And you can imagine if you are a slave and for generations you have been deemed of a lowly status, and then You hear someone say a few words and the status of being a slave is gone and the distinction between slave and master no longer existed. Now there is actually a movement going on to make Juneteenth a national holiday because of course it is about something that is important in American life, the end of the terrible institution of slavery in America. Independence Day, July 4th, is the day that we are here and, and know of the ideas of freedom and equality, and those are important. Juneteenth is in some ways putting those ideas into practice. Now for the next few weeks, we will be in the book of Galatians. Paul wrote this to a church or churches in a region called Galatia, which would be found today in modern day Turkey. One of the hallmarks of Galatia that we will factor into today's passage and probably into passages in the coming weeks is that it was basically a colony of Rome. The people who lived there who were native to Galatia were considered barbarians uncivilized people which meant basically that the roman citizens look down on these people so it is in this context that the church is founded and the church in galatia is made up of both gentiles and jews and if you remember what i've said before is that christianity by this point wasn't its own thing. It was in some ways a sect within Judaism. Most of the Gentiles would have probably come into contact with some ideas that that were already being brought from um, the Jewish faith. But in that church, there were those who came from a Jewish background that in some ways misinterpreted what God had said to Abraham so long ago. When God had said that they were to be a chosen people, it was to, to be an example, to be a way of a shining light that would draw all nations to God through the people of Israel. But the Jews, especially belonging to this church in Galatia, saw that more as a special, uh, special status. It meant that they were special, more exceptional than the others. And they started to tell the Gentiles in that congregation that if they really, really wanted to be Christians, they needed to be more like them. Otherwise, they really wouldn't be very good Christians. They'd probably be second-class Christians. So Paul is writing this book to the church in Galatia to kind of set the record straight, to understand what, it, what does this mean? What does it mean about Abraham and, and about the covenant and all of that? How does that deal with the church now? In today's text, in the third chapter of Galatians, Paul talks about the law. And the law is something that he says is like a custodian or a guardian. It is something that keeps us in check. It tries to keep the people in line. And that is good. Of course, if you've read the Old Testament, you know that people didn't always adhere to the law. But the law is there to show that there are structures that keep us and and tell us how we should live. In Christ, we are made free. The law matters. You don't go get out of that law. But it is not what brings us salvation. The law is a teacher. It helps us to live righteously. But if we don't, we we know that as humans, we don't always hit the goal. We miss the mark. We fall short. But Jesus comes to live with us, to die for us, and then is raised again. And in that, we are now justified. We don't have to measure ourselves up to the law. doesn't mean that the law doesn't, is not a force, but it is not the thing that saves us. But Paul isn't done. He wants to make a point, especially in this passage, that there are no favorites in God's kingdom. This is when he brings up the verse that is very familiar to many of you, Galatians 3.28, where he says that there is no male or female, no free or slave, no Jew or Gentile, but all are one in Jesus. In some ways, in my preparation for this, there was someone brought up the image of baptism, especially in that day. In the early church what one would do and no matter who you were of course is that you would wear whatever it is to go into the baptismal pool or whatever waters you're going into and you go out and you put on baptismal clothes and the baptismal clothes are almost always the same it didn't matter if you were rich it didn't matter if you were poor didn't matter if you were a man, it didn't matter if you were a woman, you were all wearing the same clothes, which meant you were all equal. And this is what happens when Christ comes into our lives. The walls that separate us are dissolved under Christ. In many ways, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is like a spiritual Juneteenth. It erases all the things that divides us. And we find things that, and, and, and understand that we are united in Christ. Now what Paul is saying here is actually quite radical. Because it goes against the way that the people in that time lived, but frankly, in the way that we live. There was an old Jewish prayer that used to go something like this. I thank God I am not a Gentile or a slave or a woman. Now, I don't want this to sound like this is all dumping on Jews because there was actually, this was also found in, in Greek culture. All of this was a way of separating people, of saying there were some people that were much more privileged and others that were not. But this culture, the world that we live in was privileged, but Christ comes and smashes all of the barriers. Problem is, of course, is that we don't always live As if those barriers are knocked down. Now we know that Christ comes to save us from sin and damnation. And we're very sure we know what Christ saves us from, but what are we saved for? Paul is basically saying in this passage that we are saved to live as if there are no barriers that there are no favorites in the kingdom of God. What would it look like in the church, in this church, if we lived at this, there were no walls separating us or separating people from each other? And what would that say to the wider world? How, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, would we upset the boundaries that are found in our modern world of race or of gender or of class? What are we being saved for? We aren't doing this. We aren't trying to live in a way that there are no barriers to be saved. Because, of course, Christ has already done that. But we are saved from something and for something if we are called to live in a way that destroys boundaries how are we living that out today the north carolina conference of the united methodist church recently made a video and it went rather viral female pastors in the conference were asked to send stories of what praises men have said to them. And they sent a whole lot. And then the conference did something where they brought in male pastors to read the comments that the women had made. And they put this on a video. Here are a few that they, that they read. I can't concentrate on your sermon because you're so pretty. You do a really good job, but I think scripture is more meaningful if read with a male voice. I keep picturing you naked under your robe. What are we being saved for? We are called to live as Paul is suggesting. We remember our baptisms to seek to live in a way that smashes the barriers that keep us apart, the barriers that happened maybe so long ago, such as slavery, but also the barriers that happen today, especially as we have just seen with women in the church As I said earlier, Juneteenth is a living example of the ideas that were written and expressed in the Declaration of Independence. Where there were slaves and masters, now there were just people, everyone was equal. It was not a perfect story, but it did signify something important. This is what we're called to do as church, as believers in Jesus Christ, as people who are baptized into a new way of living. We are called to live as if there are no barriers separating people, not just for us, but for the sake of the world. Are we willing to be saved for this? Thanks be to God. Amen.